Okay, it's time for the scripture reading. Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 4, verse... Thank you. Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day when evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank y'all. That joint reading, I like that. All right, so as y'all can see, we're still in Mark. Still in Mark. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody this last week, and he was talking about how to help someone in a time of, of great stress and trouble. And one of the, the tricky things about trying to help someone in times of great stress and trouble is that you, you kind of have to prepare for hard times before you get in hard times. I'll give you an example. When somebody's having a hard time and you, you, you're trying to find something encouraging and saying, you're like, well, the Lord, will, the Lord will use this for good. Now, depending on what that person has been doing beforehand, they can be like, that's true. They'll be like, hey, get out of my face with that. In a, sense, in a sense, it's like you can't study for a test when you're taking the test. Yeah? You have to study before the test so that when the test comes, you are prepared. I think one of the, the things that I feel a great pressure about as, as your pastor is, is wanting to make sure that you have proper expectations of hard times. Because if I don't prepare you and then you get in the middle of hard times, which you will, I feel like I'm pretty limited at what I can teach you in that moment. You actually have to, to get your mind right before you enter a hard time so that you can know how to respond well. So everybody in here, either you just came out of a hard time, you're in a hard time, or you're going to go into one. And so part of my responsibility is to make sure that you have a proper expectation from the scriptures so that when hard times come, they don't throw you off so hard. And I think this is what this, this scripture is, is teaching us about today, that, that hard times will come, but here's the thing. We have this promise that Jesus will be with us in those hard times and he will reveal more of himself to us in those hard times. Now, I had to ask myself the question. What if there's somebody, listen to me, that doesn't care about learning more about Jesus? How, how, can, I, how can I persuade them that that is even a good thing? Why, why would a, a deeper revelation of God be something that is even desirable? Now, y'all know I'm a dork, and I read old stuff. So there's this, this old saint, St. Anselm, Middle Ages, England. He's a very uh, intellectual guy. He said, God is a being 
than which no greater being can be conceived. Like that, that was one of the things he said. He said, I want you to think about the greatest thing ever. God is greater than that, so greater than that that you can't even conceive it. That, that, that he's trying to set the expectation of why, why would you want to know more about this God? He is the source that all the shadows of joy point to. You know, we have glimpses of joy and gladness in this life. He is the source of all of those things. Another way to think about it is, is, is he's the pinnacle of the senses. Now, we just had Thanksgiving. I'm sure y'all tasted some good stuff, right? You know what I'm saying? You was anticipating it. You were like, that's going to be good. And then you was eating it. You're like, that was good. And then afterwards, depending on how much you ate, you're like, that was good, right? <laughs> you, was, you was in your feelings about how, how, what you was going to eat. Now, listen, listen, listen. If you have this good sensation over what you could taste, imagine something tasting better than anything you can imagine. That's God. Or imagine, or imagine your sense of smell. The interesting thing about smell is it's connected to your memories. You know, you can smell something, and it'll take you right back to a particular moment. That's good or bad sometimes. depending. But here's the deal. Now, we like to smell good stuff. That's why we have candles and things. Now, imagine the best smell that you can imagine. And then take that up a notch. That's a semblance of what God is like. So, so in times of trouble, we get access to a deeper revelation of the source of all goods and the fountain of joy. Before we dig in that, let me, let me ask the Lord to help. Father, I, I ask that you would help us to understand uh, your word, that we would have proper expectations of what to expect in this life. And Lord, that in, that in hard times, we would be able to savor and enjoy you even in the middle of troubling times. In Jesus' name, amen. So look at verse 35. Uh, we got this, this idea that, that disciples obey Jesus. 35, on that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So what did they do? So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. I, I, it's a really simplistic point, but the idea is, is disciples follow Jesus. Jesus says we get on the boat, we're going to get on the boat. Right? He said, let's go, let's go. The discipleship has a meaning of, of following and imitating Jesus. Now, I, I, if, you, if you were to walk around and you were to ask a question, do you believe in Jesus? I'm sure you would get a large number of answers that were in the positive. If you were to go around to that same group of people and ask, do you follow Jesus? I think the answers would be somewhat different. Yeah? Do you believe versus do you follow. Now, what's interesting is, is there in, in the book of Mark, there's always this division between the disciples and the crowds. The crowds get to see some stuff Jesus does, but the disciples get to see all the stuff Jesus does. The crowds might hear some good teaching, but the disciples, they go on adventures with Jesus. Yeah, they, the, the crowds, they, they might have went home and they might have had a good meal, but listen, I tell you what, years later, when you know, you're, you're in that circle telling stories, I imagine one of the disciples, let me tell you this one time we were on this boat, and the storm was crazy. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Listen, listen, listen. Those who follow Jesus closely do not have dull lives and dull experiences with Christ. So, so, so here's the deal. If God bores you, you may not, in fact, be following him. 
If you have, you think about God, and you just shrug his shoulders. I don't, listen, the disciples might have had a lot of thoughts about God, but it wasn't that. It was curiosity. It was awe. It was a sense of, of, of adventure and a sense of what's going to happen next. Listen, listen, disciples follow Jesus, and the beauty of following Jesus is that he infuses every moment of your life with eternal purpose. That, that you, can, you can have a normal and average day and understand that in your interactions, you are interacting with people made in the image of God. That how you represent him, it can have an effect on, on what they think about who God is. That every moment, every, when, you're, when you're changing a diaper, when you're, you're, you're schooling your kids, whatever it is, that, that it is infused with this eternal purpose. Because you're following him in it. And you see things for what they really are. Now, I feel like a lot of times people have this expectation that if they follow Jesus, they actually follow him, then life will be all right. They won't have to worry about nothing. But we look in the, the next verse, and we see that trouble comes even to those who obey Jesus. Verse 37, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Now, in this moment, as I was looking at the text, I was like, I wonder what happened to the crowds that just went home. Like, did they just have a nice walk in the park? You know, they just went home when they had to worry about nothing. They went in a boat that was about to sink. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But, it, but at times, it can seem that those who do not follow, follow God have it better. Can it seem that way? You're like, I'm following Jesus. He not following Jesus. His life's good. My life's jacked up. What's going on? Sometimes you may be tempted to believe there's no benefit to following Jesus. Yet we'll find in this text that that's not true. Here's the, here's the interesting. Followers of Jesus, even in hard times, have testimony of his power and faithfulness. They might have been scared in that boat, but when they got to the other side, they had something to say. When they got to the other side, listen, listen, they could speak more accurately about who Jesus was than the crowds could. The crowd's like, well, his teaching was good. I saw him say to the ocean, be quiet, and it did. Listen, but look, 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 let's not pretend that it wasn't scary for the disciples, though, right? It, it wasn't like a pretend fear. I mean, imagine the prospect of drowning. This is not, this is not like, oh, yeah, they weren't having these, these, these nice platitudes about following Jesus is great. They're like, we're about to die. <laughs> Trials in this life are real, and they are mentally painful, yeah? Troubles in this life can produce all types of feelings like anxiety. And, and fear and, and depression. These are real trials that we are going through. This is a real situation that the disciples are going through, and they're not just having a hunky-dory time. They're like, I am stressed right now. See, we need to understand that, that hardships will come even, in, even when you obey, and we don't need to have like a, like a false view of hardship. I feel like when we speak Christianese, God's got a plan. That's true. That's a true statement. But in the middle of the, the junk, you might not feel that way. When you're, when you're in the depths of fear and anxiety, you don't know what's going to come next. You know, Jesus does not promise anywhere that hard times would not come to those who call. There's no, there's no promise there. 
we got to look at the obedient life of Jesus. Jesus is the most obedient person that ever existed. Did he suffer? Yes. Yes, he did. He suffered and encountered the reason this is important for you to understand is because you will be disappointed if you have the wrong expectations. Matter of fact, the majority of arguments you have in your life is because the person, you and the person you're arguing with had a different expectation of what was going to go down. I thought you was going to do that. I didn't say I was going to do that. You have, a, you have a misplaced expectation. And so it's really important in your relationship with Jesus that you don't have a wrong expectation of what it means to follow him. In other words, is, is the Christian life, a, is it a walk in the park? Or is it an arduous, rewarding journey? Listen, listen. There are extraordinary sights on the path of walking and following Christ, yet it is a difficult path. They never made a movie where somebody just chilled in the park, though, right? That wasn't really interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, your heart really doesn't really desire, like, like, like we want to be enthralled. We want to see something worth seeing. And even if it comes in some obstacles and some things that we have to dance around and avoid, listen, but we want to see what is good and what is beautiful, and that is Jesus. And if we follow him, we will see him even if the path towards him is lined with obstacles. Now, in verse 38, I can, I, can, I, I can imagine how the disciples are feeling. Your, your boat's sinking. You're looking for Jesus. What are you doing? Sleeping. What? What are you doing? Sometimes, it, like, it, let's just keep it 100. Sometimes it seems as if Jesus doesn't care about your problems. Right? Let's just keep it 100. Do you care? I know you're supposed to care. I know it says you care, but do you care? The boat is about to sink, and Jesus is asleep. Has it ever felt like God has fallen asleep in your trouble? You ever felt that, where are you? And even in this, this seeming insignificant, not caring state, we can see that Jesus is in control. It says he's sleeping in the stern. I had to look that up. I don't know much about boats, okay? I don't know what a stern is. But the stern is where the pilot sits. The stern is actually the place of control for the ship. Now think about where Jesus is right now. The Bible says that he is seated on the throne above every power and every dominion. And when you imagine Jesus sitting on that throne, you don't imagine him being nervous, do you? He's not nervous. Listen, what, what, somebody can sleep if you don't care or if you're just comfortable. Yeah? Like, if you feel real peaceful, you can fall asleep. Like, uh, t- today, I'm going to go sit on my couch and watch some football, and I'm, you know, I'm going to go to sleep. I feel comfortable. Now, he's already proved to them that it's not because he doesn't care. I just imagine that even in the midst of hardship, Jesus Christ knows who he is and what authority he has, and he is at complete peace. Jesus is not anxious in times of trouble. That might look like he doesn't care, but listen, when you're in trouble, who are you going to run to? The person that's freaking out or the person who was calm? You're going to look, if you're going to look, at, you look like, you know, come on. <laughs> like somebody freaking out, like, I can't talk to you right now. We need somebody that can really help us. You know? <laughs> like you're going to go talk to the person that look like they know what they're about to do. See, Jesus is not on his throne right now biting his nails. 
He is absolutely confident. And if he is confident, you should be too. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, and most loving. We, we can't see down the twists and turns of this life, but Jesus can see the whole route. And he is guiding us accordingly. Listen, listen, when we cry out to Jesus, it should give you confidence that he's like, he's not going, what do I do? No, he has absolute control. He is in the stern. He is, he is in the place where the pilot is. And he goes, no, 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 I, I know what I'm going to do. You don't have to worry. I'm not worried. I know exactly how I'm going to save you. I know exactly the purposes for what I'm allowing you to go through. Don't be anxious because I'm not. I know how this ends. Look, we also call in Jesus in times of trouble. He says, verse 38, he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care what's going on? Now, what's beautiful is that he woke right up. He woke right up and he answered their prayers, did he not? He woke right up, he rebuked the sea. Listen, Christ is attentive to our cries for help. We don't, we don't call out to one who doesn't care. We actually need to have a confidence that he hears us. And what I love about the, the, the record of this prayer is that it is not pretty. Do you care we're going to die, Jesus? Look, sometimes our prayers are ugly, and that's okay. It's okay. The Bible records all kinds of prayers. Some prayers are like the Lord, that's what I said, I want some are like, uh, are you, am I going to die? <laughs> Where are you at? Can you hear me? Hello? You know, like, like listen, listen, the, the scriptures exemplify every emotion anyway, so why not be honest? God knows our thoughts and emotions anyway, so why not be honest? It, it is an act of faith to do something called lament. If you look at the Psalms, a lot of them are sad. A lot of them are like, I don't know where you're at, where are you going to be, am I going to die? This person's trying to kill me, he betrayed me. Like all this, this laundry list of things that, that, that fit into the bad category, bad life situation. But listen, the one to whom you lament is the one you trust the most. Yesterday, I was sitting on my porch. My daughter, she fell down, she scraped her knee or something. She started running towards me. And I said, it's okay. And she ran past me. And, and she went to her mama. The one that you lament to is the one you trust the most. And you don't lament because you don't think they hear you. No, no, you're looking for someone to, to understand you, to look at you, to see your troubles, and to sympathize with you. And listen, listen, when we lament to God, we find someone who is compassionate, who cares, who can wipe away our tears and lift up our heads. We also see in verse 39 that Jesus ultimately delivers us in the time of trouble. Look at verse 39. He got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. There is no being or entity that has more power than Jesus. And at the right time, he will deliver. And, and, and Jesus has this authority. Let's just keep it, keep it 100. Jesus has this authority because he is God. And the Psalms, it attests 
to the fact that God controls nature. In Psalm 148, it says, it says, praise the Lord from the earth for all sea monsters and ocean depths. Sea monsters be praising the Lord, y'all. All sea monsters and ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind that executes his command. He says, the wind and the waves listen to, to Yahweh, to God. And Jesus gets up and calms the winds and the waves. Therefore, he is God. The wind and the waves submit to him because he is the creator. And Jesus uses that awesome, marvelous power to protect his disciples. Look how he answered them. Even though their prayer was ugly. Yeah? You don't care about me, Jesus. Help me. All right. He still has compassion. And then we, we, in, in verse 40 and 41, we see the trials and deliverance help us to see Jesus in a new light. And verse 40 says, they said to him, then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, I want to take time to, to, to try to interpret his question. Why you, you don't got no faith? Listen, listen, sometimes in times of trial, we forget the past faithfulness of the Lord. He said, he said do you still have no faith? He's like, look at all that it done. Be fast about demons, teaching people, doing all kinds of things. Don't you remember? Do you remember? How many times has God shown his faithfulness to us? A discipline that we need is we need to remember. We need to remember God's past faithfulness because it promotes present faith. When I remember how he has delivered me and been kind to me and saved me, and, and, I'm, and I'm in the moment of trial, but I look back and I go, I remember the last time I was in something like this. And when I called out to the Lord, he delivered me. So, so, so I can actually call out to him right now because I remember what he has done. We need to look at the promises that he has kept in the scriptures. Look at the promises that he has kept in our life. And when the disciples see the power of Jesus in the midst of troubles, they see his power and are in awe. So, listen, trials are opportunities to see God's power and character. The disciples saw a side of Jesus that they had not seen before. They had they never saw him calm down a storm because they weren't in one before. But they got a revelation of who he was. They had a sense of awe. And for the rest of their lives, I'm sure they were telling that story at the dinner table. I'm sure they were on a boat. Um, they got on boats a lot back then. They were on a boat, and probably the storm came. And they're like, but do you remember? Remember the last time we were on a boat? You remember what Jesus did? Their confidence in his power and care was increased. See, see hard times in our lives are new opportunities to know God and grow in confidence of his love and power. And listen, listen, I, I know this, one, because I've experienced this. There, there are times that I can look back, and there ain't no way in the world I'd want to repeat them. Like, I ain't looking back like that was awesome. But I'm like, but I remember that the Lord was with me. I remember that he sustained me. I remember when I was at my weakest, he lifted me up. And I've heard similar testimony from y'all. You look back at time, like, I, I wouldn't want to repeat that, but I remember his faithfulness 
and the faithfulness that is revealed to you in a time of those trials, it is going to stick with you way longer than any sermon. You've had an experience with the living God. Nobody can take that away from you. We see this pattern in the scriptures. I remember there was a, there was a time when I, when I was struggling with a lot of anxiety. I was just, I was just, I was having a hard time. And I was like, I'm going to read the book of Job because that seems like what you're supposed to do. I didn't realize how long the book of Job was. It's long, y'all. It's long. And it's an extended conversation. I'm reading through like, I'm like, Lord, you going to tell me about Job did the thing? Like, why did you do this to Job? So I'm just, I'm, I'm wading through Job. Like, why did we suffer, Lord? You know, like, wading through, I get to chapter 42. I told you it's a long book. I get to chapter 42, and, and Job, and, and God appears to Job, and, and Job said this. He said, I heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. I just let that sit for a minute. Job, this faithful man who lived a, a righteous life, he could say, I heard about you, but in my time of trouble, in my trial, I saw you. And I thought, well, doggone, that's worth it. I want to see him. Listen, the sight of greatest joy, the sight of all, the sight of peace. He can say, my life went to hell, but I saw the living God. Listen, there are moments in my life in which I would never want to repeat, but I can look back on them with a sense of sweetness because of the goodness and the grace and the faithfulness of God were uniquely revealed to me. Jesus doesn't have us walk through things that he himself hasn't walked through. Jesus faced the greatest hardship on the cross so that we could be forgiven and enjoy God forever. Jesus willingly endured the cross so that we would know that God would never leave us nor forsake us. And y'all, you know we talk about that ugly praying stuff? Jesus ugly prayed. He did. In the garden. And it says his sweat, his sweat was like great drops of blood. Listen, here's the craziest thing. You don't you might not think that God delivered, but y'all, Jesus was dead and he got up. That seemed like deliverance to me. I don't know. Jesus was delivered from his greatest trial to assure us that we will be delivered as well. We will be ultimately delivered from sin. We will be ultimately delivered from Satan and every single trial that this life throws at us. There is an end date, an expiration date in which he will deliver us. Oh, well, just, just so you know, I ain't making this up. Look, Apostle Paul had a little testimony at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4. At the end of his life, he's on trial. He's on trial. He's about to get sentenced. Eventually, he does die. And he said, he talks about when he went to trial. So Apostle Paul going to court. And this is how he records it. 2 Timothy 4, 17 says, I was in court, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Think about that. I was at the worst point of my life, but right next to me was who? The Lord was strengthening me so that I might fully preach the word and that all Gentiles might hear then he goes, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. In verse 18, he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely 
into his heavenly kingdom. He's saying, I remember when the Lord was with me in that time of trial, and I have confidence that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, I'm going to be with him in his kingdom. He will deliver us in every single trial and will bring us safely to be with him forever. It's the promise that we have. So, so it kind of makes you look at trials in, in, in a new light. When I walk into a dark time, listen, it doesn't mean that it's not dark. I just want to make it clear. It doesn't mean that, it, like, they were for real scared. It was a storm. They thought it was going to die. It, it's not, like, pretend scary. Like, when I walk into a time of trial, it, it for real is unpleasant. But at the same time, I have this hope that I will have a deeper understanding of God's grace and love than I did on the, on the front end. And not only that, I know that there is one day when all trials will cease, and I will be with him forever. So, so what, well, how do you apply this? Let me, let me make it as plain as possible. Stop being surprised by hardship. Just, what? No, 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 no. Like, he said it was going to happen. Stop being surprised. One of the greatest detriments to your faith is that you don't take what Jesus says seriously about trials. Then you enter the trial, and you're like, well, Jesus, and Jesus is like, well, what I told you. Stop being surprised when life is hard. This, this is what James, the brother of Jesus, says. He said, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. He said, counter, what, joy? He said, when you encounter a trial, let me tell you what about to happen. Hold up, you're about to grow. You're going to have a, a fuller and deeper revelation of who God is. You're going to be complete. Or, or what about Apostle Peter? He says that in 1 Peter 4, 12, he says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you. As if something unusual were happening to you. So, like, y'all, the Bible, the Bible is very clear about trial. Ain't nobody say you ain't gonna have none. He said, don't be surprised. Like it is not unusual. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when he is revealed. So, 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 so my, my pastoral encouragement to you is the next time something hard happens to you, don't be surprised. And don't only despair. Because what is set before you is an experience to meet and know the living God more. That is what's before you. Listen, hardship is in this world because we live in a world tainted by sin. Yet God uses hardship to craft our character. And God reveals himself and his grace to those who endure hardship and following him. And here, here, if you're wondering about if that's true, I want you to just go talk to somebody who walked with Jesus for a minute. And just go, is what he said true? Is it true? I, I'm pretty confident they'll be like, well, yeah. It wasn't awesome, but he was with me. And I have more confidence in him than I did in the beginning. He delivers us, and he will deliver us from all hardship.
So don't be surprised, but also have an expectation that you will know God in a way that you did not before you knew him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and that and that you, you do what you say. Lord God, if we would look at your word with, with open eyes and a receptive heart, we would have proper expectations. So Lord, would you prepare us, prepare us for the hardship that we might have to walk through, but also give us a sense of hope that we will know you in the midst of it, that we will grow in it, and that you will ultimately deliver us from every single hardship, trial, and temptation. And we will get to be with you safely in your kingdom forever. So give us confidence to follow you, even though it might be difficult, it is rewarding. Because our souls get to behold what you truly long for, which is your kingdom. Receive glory. In Jesus' name.